This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. I think ever since the salary cap came in, that parity's you know gotten closer and closer. Uh, you know, any team can win. The old saying, "Just get in the playoffs, anything can happen," and it's true nowadays. It's uh, you know, any team can uh, can get on a on a roll and 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 start taking teams out. And uh, you know, I've been a part of that, so I you know I've seen it firsthand and. It's uh, you know it's a wild ride when that happens. We won back-to-back cups. That's probably an accomplishment that uh, not a lot of teams will do, you know, and uh, not a lot of teams have done. Obviously, I'm very grateful that I had an opportunity to do that, but I still think we uh, we have an opportunity to do that in the future. Sign a contract for a reason for eight years, and I believe in this team and this organization, and uh, we're going to be set up for the next couple of years to win more cups. So, and uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really appreciative of uh, of what we've done, but. I don't really look back on it because I'm not at the end of my career. Yeah, I'm only looking ahead and uh, trying to focus on what I can do to uh, help this team win. It's becoming uh, not a troubling trend, but uh, a trend where some really good players on this team, some really good citizens in the community have left the past couple of years because of you know cap situations and what's gone on the past couple of years. And we all say it's part of the business, but that's the toughest part is when you create these friendships and these bonds, especially when you've won together and you've grown up together. Yeah, that part can be tough for sure. And the Lightning have experienced that over the last few years. It's a product of the salary cap. They've been able to draft and develop well. Their core players are still young for the most part, which has allowed them to be competitive. It came to a halt this year in terms of advancing far in the playoffs, but we will discuss that at great length again here on the show. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Greg Linelli with you, along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Michigan. Steve Erstix, our producer, and uh, taking your questions still. Brian Engblom in just a second. Partner, it's good to be with you. And, you know, I think reality starts to set in. Probably um, the minutes that last game is played. And even for the Lightning, I think they've admitted this too, where... One of the the rallying cries, what was it, a couple of years ago when they started uh, their little mini run here was that, guys, you know what? We need to get our act together. This is probably the last time all of us are going to be together. Let's win. And I'm obviously paraphrasing. So I think they're aware of the economic situations and the cap situations every team goes through. But I think once that last game is finished, it probably resonates a bit more. Yeah, it was the last day of school. Remember that in the yes. 2021 playoff run. And it proved to be for that team, even the 2020 team, the entire team didn't come back the next year. I mean, you had the emergence of Ross Colton. You had departures, whether it was Bogosian, who went to Toronto, interestingly, before he came back to the Lightning, Carter Verhage, who was really a depth guy on that 2020 team. And boy... He has to say he has blossomed would be doing a disservice to a blossoming flower <laughs> in Florida. I mean, he took over the franchise record for most goals scored in the playoffs with his goal last night. So, but for Hagee was part of the 2020 team. So no team stays together entirely. But I know our guest, Brian Engblom, is a big believer that you need to have change, even if your team is successful. It may not be your core guys, it may not be your game breakers, but it's healthy to have new blood come in every year. Well, let's bring him in. Brian Engblom. Brian, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, guys. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I heard what what Dave was saying. And yes, I have firmly believed that. Um, I think that 
the change is, is necessary. You have to bring in some fresh blood. You, you, you cannot recreate what you did the, the, the year previous. That's, that's a big mistake. If you're trying to recreate things and a feeling and keep the same team and, you know, how did we feel then and who did we be? In a, no, then you're not paying attention to what's happening in front of you. And those teams are all changing, too. So, yeah, you, you, need, you need fresh blood. That's for sure. Brian, I'm wondering, and I'm going to ask you from your playing days, because you've, you've worked so many series as a broadcaster. I'm sure you've seen series like the one that the Lightning just had with Toronto. But I want to ask you if you can remember participating in a series as the losing side in which you felt really for the bulk of the series you outplayed the opponent but lost. And, and how do you process that? Um, let's see. We... We lost to Minnesota one year. It was, I think that was, was that the year after the four cups or two years after? I forget. They all start to run together. Um, but I felt like we lost to them and I felt like, no, we didn't, we didn't play that bad. We just, you know, you didn't get the save at the right time or the, you know, the guy at the other end uh, made a save that, uh, you know, that changed the direction of a of certain game. And, um, that that's the only one that I can really remember. Um, and yeah, it stings no matter what, you know, no matter how you lose when it's all over, it's always like falling off a cliff, you know, and there's, there's bitterness mixed in with, you know, the flood of emotions of how did this season really go? But, you know, it really came down to, you know, can we do some winning in the playoffs? And when you don't do it, um, there's that, you know, there's that bitter twinge. The only time I would say that, it was it was different is when I got traded to Washington uh, when I went there with Langway and Jarvis and Craig Lachlan uh, in that uh, Rick Green Ryan Walter deal. Um, Washington had never been in the playoffs, so we played the Islanders, and it was right in that stretch of the four cups in a row for the Islanders. I mean, one of the great dynasty teams ever: Bossy Trache, Pot Van, Billy Smith, all those guys. So anyway, we play them in the first round, and what are the odds that we're going to beat them? They're pretty slim. And it was one of the short, I think it was best of five back then. And we lost. They beat us straight out. But you know what? We played really well. Every game was really tight. And that was the one time I remember thinking, you know what? We did a damn good job. We, you know, we had a, we just weren't as good as they were. But we got ourselves into the playoffs and played well. And we lost to a team that went on and won the cup. Brian Englum joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Did anything surprise you? in terms of how this series went between the Lightning and Leafs? Hmm. Uh, I felt like, uh, I felt like the, the Lightning didn't put enough pressure, physical pressure on their top two guys, Matthew and Mar Matthews and Marner. And I'd even throw Neilander in there. Because I, in my own mind, and what I said setting up the series uh, in doing the games myself, I, I, that was a priority for me. Drop of the puck right away. You, you, there's intimidation in the playoffs. It's a big part of it. And it's not easy to do. You can get some guys to back off a little bit here and there. Um, and th believe me, those guys are hard to hit. I, like, I, I get that. I understand. Mitch Marner is like Kucherov. By the time, you know, you, you're trying to set him up to take a run at him, puck's already gone, and you're going to take a penalty for interference. But 
there are chances and there are ways to do it. And we've seen it. You know, we've seen Cooch get hit a lot. We've seen Braden Point get hit a lot as fast as Braden is. And it wears you down. It wears you down. It wears you down. And you have to do that to the star player. So that surprised me uh, a little bit. I think that tactically, you know, there's so much structure, you know, to, to the game. And, and there needs to be, and you have to have a plan, and, and Coop and the, and the staff are really good at laying out a plan and making adjustments from one period to the next and one game to the next. But that was the one thing for me that I didn't feel like they they did as well as they might have, and, and it might have made uh, a, a, more of a difference at the end. Brian, when Eric Chernak got hurt in game one, one of the byproducts of that was we saw a lot more of Sergeyev and Radish matching against the Matthews line or just Matthews and whoever was playing with Matthews. Right. And Radish showed very well in the series, even though he finished uh, as a minus player. How impressed were you with his series overall? And how much did that series help him in terms of his confidence and and his status basically coming back next year as a member of the top six. Absolutely terrific. Good for him. He's had to wait his turn. He's had to adapt. He's had to get better and fight his way onto a team that have won a couple of cups and been to the finals and is stacked on defense with NHL experienced guys. What did he have four games of experience from the prior year? And, and, you know, then all of a sudden he gets his opportunity. And Coop alluded to the fact that we would like to have brought him up earlier because he was having such a good year in the American. It was a 50 points and 50 games or whatever. American League All-Star, uh, the All-Star break. So, I mean, he proven himself. And Coop said at one point we wanted to, you know, fit him in and sort of reward him. Right. That's what that's what good teams do. And that's what the Lightning does. Guys playing well in the American League, you find a way, as tough as it is with the salary cap, to bring a guy up so that it's important for him, but it's important for everybody else on that American League team to say, if I play well, they do notice me down here, and I do get a chance to play with the big boys, and it gives me a taste and, and, and all that. So, But they couldn't do it because they already had nine defensemen, right? Then Ed Myers was, was, uh, was, was traded away. And uh, you still had, you know, Bogosian and Fleury sitting on the sidelines um, and they end up staying on the sidelines. So the remarkable thing is Radish comes up and he goes right by those two experienced guys. And because of his play, because like Coop, like every coach says, we put I put the best lineup on the ice every night to win. End of story. No feelings, no nothing. This is it. This is who I think are the best. And so good for Radish for doing that. And then he got chemistry with Sergachev. And I talk to you guys about this all the time. It's, 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 it's one thing for forwards. It's a different thing for defense. You can't have mistakes on defense when you're reading things. And you don't have time to talk all the time. I got this guy. You got him. Uh, you know, everybody's crisscrossing and things are happening so fast. It clicked. All the tumblers clicked into place, it seemed, in the first five minutes that he played with Sergachev. And that was equally important to Sergachev. So they became a duo that was really stout and sturdy, and they could move the puck. I loved the way Radish played. He got up on the play. He jumped in from the blue line. He made some really good shots, scored a beautiful goal, and had a chance to score some other ones. 
so I, I thought that was a, a big story, a big story of the playoffs. And he will be feeling good about himself. And I'll bet you he's already looking forward to next year and where he fits on, on the Lightning defense court. The Michael Bunsing play, Brian, ended up being a, uh, a bigger deal than maybe originally anticipated, understanding yeah. that Chernak missed the rest of the playoffs. I'm stating the obvious there, but when you take a look at what Chernak provides, um, how do you think he would have impacted the series had he played, understanding that they still could have lost for sure, but where do you think he would have made the biggest difference for the Lightning? <laughs> I think I think you had the right word there, impact. <laughs> yeah, he is. Chernak right. is an impact, and you need those guys. He he hits and he hits for keeps, and he realizes that in the playoffs he adds a little extra to it. He will withstand any kind of pain necessary in order to do it. We've seen him do it over the last couple of years, blocking shots, which over the course of time, it's not one, it's not two, it's probably 40 for a guy like him. And those things hurt. And you get hit in the same place over and over. And you can barely move the next day when you get up. And then when you hit guys, sometimes it hurts you more than it hurts the other guy. And it also means that guys are, you know, pissed off at you. So they're running at you when you're in a vulnerable spot, going back for a puck in the corner, and some big guys come in and going, oh, yeah, you, Chernak, I'm going to waste you for a change. All those things, you know, they, they make a big difference. His penalty killing, very good penalty killer. Uh, and that was a big part of the series. Toronto got a lot of momentum from their power play goals. And that that hurt for sure. That's where he gets a lot of his ice time. And and then also that that part of the intimidation thing. And this may sound corny, but he has that thousand yard stare, you know, that that some players just have. You can be football players that have it. And it didn't. Chernak is one of those guys. Mark Messier was famous for that. Right. Just staring guys down. Um, good example. It literally like burns holes in you. He's one of those guys will go to a face off and he'll just start staring at the guy next to him and he doesn't have to say a word. Those are the guys that are scariest. <laughs> they don't say a word, just the eyes and the facial expression. Those things matter in the playoffs. They matter a lot. And missing him there was huge. Brian, what did you make of the news that we learned yesterday from Vasilevsky that I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he felt he had bumps and bruises in the second half of the year that affected him, and he would do things a little differently if it happens again, let's say next year. But did you get any sense that he was dealing with some bumps and bruises in the second half of the year and into the playoffs? Yeah, wasn't he remarkably forthright, Dave, huh? when we, you and I were sitting there listening to him? Um, I was stunned, actually, by that because normally he is so withdrawn and extremely careful. It's like pulling teeth, right? Trying to get anything out of him. He was very forthright. And maybe that was a good admission to himself publicly. Of And he said, I, I have to change. I have to think about this. And he said, he used, you know, paraphrasing like you did, I, I fought through some things. I, I kept trying to fight through things. So he didn't say, and, and he's, you know, that's his privilege. He didn't say what they were, but He's such a machine, you know, like he is, he is a magnificent athlete, uh, absolutely magnificent. 
what he can do at his size and his skill level, as flexible as he is, as explosive as he is, as talented as he is, everything, it's, it's just remarkable. So the engine and the finely tuned machine was not up to par um, is, you know, another way of saying it. And he couldn't, he couldn't get that extra effort out of himself. Some of that I'm sure is mental because he's played way more than any other goalie in the league at the toughest position. You get to make zero mistakes in goal, right? Forwards can mess around. I'm biased. You know, that guys forwards can mess around and be great, make mistakes defensively. And not many people except the coaches notice defensemen. Yeah. You make mistakes. A lot more things are noticed noticeable and you look bad goalies zero that red light gives you a sunburn instantly as soon as you make a mistake and that's tough to live by that's why playing that position you have to have a short memory and the the mental part of the game is equally if not more important than the great physical aspects that uh, Vasilevsky brings to the game but it was remarkable to hear him say that basically what I took from a Dave is yeah I'm going to be more willing to play fewer games I want to play every game all the time that's what my brain says and my competitive nature says but now I'm starting to realize I can't do that Brian Engblom joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio we find out, obviously, that, uh, you know, Braden Point got dinged up uh, quite a bit. And I was mentioning this to Mish yesterday, Brian. The last two series the Lightning have played in resulted in losses. I don't know if it's a coincidence that Braden Point either really wasn't available or was playing hurt in both. But certainly a healthy Braden Point makes a world of difference, doesn't he? Yes, unfortunate. It's the first thing that went through my mind as soon as he went through the boards. I still remember. I don't think I'll forget that hit for a long time because, I mean, I literally yelled on the air. Just It just came out of me like, oh, because uh, uh, you could feel the impact, right? You could just hear it. And I went, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I was afraid he was done for the year and it had some, like, it could have been permanent damage. That's how violent and dangerous that collision was. And the fact that he came back in the same game, it just was like, boy, that, that guy's a hockey player. And, you know, Coop just said it like that, right? And it, it's true. That means a lot of things. And uh, he certainly proved that. I can't imagine how painful it was. I'm guessing he was having some kind of shots. I, I hurt my ribs one time from blocking a shot. And I don't know if either of you guys have experienced anything, rib injuries. It's hard to breathe. It hurts to breathe. Never mind play a contact sport where, and they know because he grabbed his side, right? Remember he skated a few strides and then fell down and grabbed his side. Yeah. Players in the other team are, are not stupid and you know, they may have a little mercy in them, but Hey, this is hockey. They get a chance to give him an extra elbow, you know, whack him into the wall. Uh, yeah, they, they know right away. It's, it's a game of attrition. And unfortunately the attrition for the lightning in the last two years has involved Braden point. They're in, in many way, many aspects of the game, their best player up front. I know Kucherov's points and what Kuch does, but he wouldn't be able to get into the offensive zone as often as he does. Kucherov, I mean, without Braden Point being the transmission of the entire offense 
just bringing the puck up the ice and literally scaring the heck out of the opposition right up over the blue line and into the zone. That value there is something that does show up in stats these days, but is is remarkable momentum-wise for a team. And when Braden can't do it to the level he wants, it has a big effect. Brian, having played the position of defense, I'm curious to hear your take on the Riley point hit or incident or collision and i don't really know how to term it because we've heard different things from different people riley and the leaf said well it was a clean hit and the officials looked at it on replay and, and clearly felt that way as well john cooper used the word reckless and most people after the fact said not everyone but a lot of people said not worthy of a major but it should have been at least a two-minute minor for boarding yesterday point basically took responsibility for it though he said i'm leaning into the defenseman there and i just happened to lose my balance so it was an unfortunate play where do you come out on all of this did you feel there was something riley could have done differently that would have lessened the impact or was it kind of how point put it which is he kind of initiated things to try and protect himself and it just didn't work out that way yeah well first of all riley and point are friends right they played together in junior for a year so they know each other really well. They played Moose Jaw together. Um, so, yeah, Braden said, I lost my balance. Um, I think that is absolutely true. I thought it was a hockey play that went bad. Um, I thought that Coop probably summarized it the best. It was reckless. And so I would like to have seen maybe a two-minute penalty just for the recklessness of it. That, that part, uh, that collision is what worries me about today's game um, is that these players are going so fast and Braden points a great example. The biggest danger there is, is not body on body. It's body and the boards like, you know, and the NFL is, you know, tough as nail sports. And those, those collisions are all like car accidents. But when a guy gets wasted along the sidelines, he gets, you know, eight, nine yards of, you know, just, empty space right roll and pitch and you know you get whacked hard and hit hard pushed out of bounds you can roll and there's no boards big difference in our sport is those boards those boards are crushing and they are uh, unmerciful and it's it's really tough i would like to have seen a two-minute penalty i didn't think it was morgan riley's fault i watched it and some we split hairs but just for the violence of it to get players' attention, I would have gone with a two-minute penalty. Did I think it was a horrible hit and deserved a you know a major and a and a uh, suspension? No, I didn't. I thought the referees got it right. Well, a quick follow-up then: What could Riley have done differently in your mind to make it not reckless? Essentially, <laughs> let Braden Point have the puck. Yeah, <laughs> and literally, I mean, it's two guys colliding. And he got he got leverage. He got inside Braden's uh, shoulder. And so when he hit, he opened him up and pushed him backwards and off balance. And then Braden's feet kind of betrayed him. You know, how did Braden put it? You know, I lost my footing or whatever. So now he's totally out of control. That was a pure leverage thing on the contact. It was a smart play by Morgan Riley. He, it was pure instinct. I don't think any of that was... The only part that was planned is that, okay, I see Braden Point coming, points this, I see Morgan Riley playing, there's the loose puck, who's going to get there first? You don't think it's instinct. 
How can I get to it? Well, Riley had better position. The contact was big. And I think Braden was certainly leaning into him. So it's simultaneous. And then the bounce back effect pitches you down into the ice and at full speed into the boards. And thank God his instincts to get his head out of the way. Otherwise, he, he could have been crippled. That's why I screamed when I saw it, because it was near side boards. And I thought at first he went in head first, in which case I, I would lay odds that he may never have gotten up again. Um, so that's the you know ultimately dangerous part of the game, um, and fortunately that uh, it didn't happen that way. Brian Engblom joins us here on Power Launch on Lightning Radio. To that point, I'm curious. I know it's a different era from when you played, but in terms of those hits that are borderline or not, do you feel like we see more of them in today's game? And if so, are you surprised by that with all the player safety talk? Uh, yeah, this this opens up a whole thing. Um, I thought, and I've I've said this a few times, but I just don't say it on the air because uh, it's not popular. I think with the league, when they took away, we they called it the bear hug. You know, you take a guy out along the boards. When I played, when we played, when a guy was in along the boards in your zone, and I he got to the puck first, and he was facing the glass. I used to wrap my, my stick around one way, have my arm on his arm, sort of pick him up almost and push him into the glass. That's how we took him out, okay? So, yeah, it's a hit. You're controlling. Does it lead to holding? Yes. Were there holding calls made back then? Absolutely. If I hung on to him for three seconds, they're like, hey, you're holding him. That's two minutes for holding. Okay, I'm good with that. And some players were really good at making it look bad. So, but I'm willing to do that. They said, oh, we don't want any more hooking and holding in the game. God forbid there's any holding in the game. And so immediately we saw really serious injuries because players, you know, if you miss a check in your own zone and a guy's, you know, stopping and starting and turning and protecting the puck and he's along the wall or he's a foot from the wall and now you can't hold. Well, you have to hit him. And so when God, now it's an out-of-control sequence. And if you go back to the bench and you don't hit that guy and you fish for the puck, you get benched. And the coach is looking at it like, what was that? That was your guy. Come on, let's go. Take him out. So then it gets faster and faster and more and more out of control. And you get more guys who are reckless because that's all they think about. My man, got to take him out, got to hit him, got to hit him, got to hit him. So you get more hits directly on the numbers. And we saw some horrible incidents going back, what, five and six years ago even. And now it's gotten better over time because of the injuries that have happened and the suspensions. But we still have it. I hate, I hate how that game, uh, how the game has gone in that respect. Bring back the, 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 uh, the bear hug. Bring it back. You really want to protect the players? Bring it back. If it becomes a hold along the wall, call the holding. But that opened it up right away, and I went, this is stupid. That's how I feel about that. 
Well, I'll move on to a less controversial topic, at least <laughs> relating to you in the league, although this might be a tough topic for you particularly in that this is like training camp for you, Brian, because you informed us you're going to be heading to Finland to work the World Championships. Yeah. I have to imagine yes. this is like you getting to training camp when you were a player and <laughs> facing the grind of getting in shape because I'll let you explain it, but this is no vacation for you. It's great work, but – you really have to do your homework to learn about some of these players that are playing in this tournament that are not in the NHL, correct? Oh, yeah, Dave. Yeah, it's it was uh, an opportunity that literally fell in my lap yesterday. And I went, oh, my goodness, my head was just kind of spinning. Um, I'm going to do some work for TSN. And I work with Dennis Bayak, whom I did a lot of games with uh, in Winnipeg uh, when Winnipeg first moved up there. At any rate, um, I think what had happened was they had one of the radio voices of Seattle in line to do it. And then guess what happened? Seattle won, right? (laughs) They beat Colorado, you know. And so they went, okay. So the boss, uh, Paul Graham, that called me uh, yesterday said, uh, I've known him from the Winnipeg days, as I said. And he said, you were the first name that popped into my head, like, oh, my goodness, Tampa's done. So I went, well, thank you very much for thinking of me. And I went, well, I was overwhelmed. Yeah, I said something to you, Dave, like, holy macro. I, I don't know. I don't even know how tough it's going to be. I'm just starting to get a grasp of it. But at any rate, um, I'm leaving on Tuesday the 9th, and the tournament starts on the 12th and goes, I'll be done on the 26th. So we are going to do, Dennis and I are going to do the uh, the A pool, uh, which has USA, Austria, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Hungary, and Sweden. Um, and so we'll be doing those games in, in tempera uh, Finland. And we stay in one place. So from the 12th to the 26th, we do 30 games. So it's two a day. And then you get uh, maybe a day off here or there. But it's two a day every day until you get down to the very end. So is that a lot of work? Yeah. I'm just still trying to wrap. And the rosters aren't even out yet. In the next day or so, we're going to have more roster info. I'm just looking at some of the some of the coaches and the you know in the background of whatever. Uh, Derek Lalonde. I'm just looking at Team USA. David Quinn, the San Jose coach. He's the coach of Team USA. Derek Lalonde is one of the uh, assistant coaches. So I'm just you know going down the list there. Chris Clark, the assistant GM of Columbus, is the GM of the U.S. team. John Van Beesbrook's in the background. So just a couple of names that uh, that you know. Um, and I'm just starting there, but there aren't any rosters yet. Dennis Bayak texted me and he went, oh, yeah, the magic part of this is the rosters don't come out from the IIHF until <laughs> very late. So kind of good luck with that. Right. So harder, as you know, Dave, for the play by play guy, you know, to get these names, you know, memorized for the first game or two until you know, the teams start to repeat themselves. But this was an opportunity that I just went, I came home and I said to Lori, guess what? And she went, Oh my goodness, you're kidding. That is terrific. You gotta go. You gotta do this. And I went, yeah, I, I do gotta do this. It's a great opportunity to, to uh, experience something that's totally different but is it, is it a work overload? Yeah, I'm just starting to appreciate that, guys. But I am looking forward to it. Well, and I think you have to love hockey, too, though. 
And I think, you know, no the, it's it's something that um, obviously you're very passionate about and very good at. You know, it reminds me of uh, the, the story growing up in Pittsburgh, Bob Prince, legendary Pirates announcer, Brian and Dave, and they had him do some Penguins games, <laughs> and he didn't know any of the names. He said, yeah, the Penguins shoot the puck down the end, and now Montreal <laughs> comes back. I mean, he, <laughs> it they was a lot it. of that, we and everybody it. would They got would it. Laugh. They got it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. It yeah. Was, uh, I know. They, it, people don't know how difficult it is, it is. What, what, what Dave Michigan does and uh, Dave yeah. Randorf and, and every other play-by-play guy to have that immediate recall of if number 15 is that, number 12 is that, number 4 is that, and, and just back back and forth it's it's amazing uh as a as an analyst uh, i get to cheat a little bit because i can i can uh, you know look down at my notes or my uh, you know i keep a card of of all the names and numbers and um i don't have to do it second to second the way they do so there are ways to get around it that's what they call experience right Dave? <laughs> i'm just wondering though brian now these teams you don't know them coming in maybe the u.s no. team would be the exception but you're going to be seeing these players a lot. I mean, two games a day for a couple yeah. of weeks. How long does it take you to get a feel for a player when you haven't seen that player play before? That That's a great question. Some some will catch your eye right away, and that's the easy part. You know, the, the guys who like to dangle with the puck, the guys who have, uh, you know, turn on the speed. You go, okay, I got to remember that number 15. Yeah, you can really go. Other guys are way more subtle, um, and you, it, it's just time. You know, you, you just notice things a little bit here and there. Um, and then start to piece it together. And then after the game is over and that night, maybe remember, remembering certain sequences ago, goes, yeah, I got to keep my eye on that guy. He was really good. Or that goalie was lousy at this, or, you know, it's just what we do. I think it's the instinct of, of what we do as, as announcers over time. But <clears throat> yeah, there will be a lot of players I've never seen before. And that's, what's going to be fun. And some of them will probably be coming to the NHL, you know, maybe even next year or the year after or whatever from, say, you know, different teams from Germany or whatever. And there's a lot of great young talent everywhere. So and there will be a lot of a lot of NHL players, too. There will yeah. be several, I'm sure. So that will help. And and so maybe I'll be able to focus on on other guys because I have you know a bit of a knowledge of some of the other. Um, Asamont and Perbix are going over. I know that. Um from the lightning i found that out yesterday and uh so we'll find out but rosters right now i haven't seen anything uh, like i said i'm just doing background on some of the usa coaching staff and then i'll get to canada steve eiserman is one of the assistant gms doug armstrong from st louis is the gm of canada um and it has i haven't even gone through that yet i don't see a head coach name i saw about three assistant coach names um, I don't have them in front of me. I haven't gotten that far as far as writing them down, but uh, just a little bit of background there. But it's an enormous number of names for sure, and there'll be a little bit of overload. But the game is the most important thing once the puck is dropped, and uh, the rest I'll try and figure out as we go. <laughs> Canada's not in your group, though, so no, do you have to no, prepare that's for true. them? Yeah, but I, I'm just curious more. Right. So I'll be focused. Yeah, I'll be focusing in my group. Uh, Gord Miller and Mike Johnson are doing uh, the other side and they are actually in, in uh, I think Latvia, I think they're, they're part of the tournament and then they'll come over to Tempera. I've always called it Tampere Finland, but apparently it's called Tempera. So that's where it starts. I got to say the name of the city, right? Um, 
And so they will come over at some point uh, as the uh, thing progresses. I remember that from, I, I played in the world championships once in 1983. Uh, it was in Germany. We played the first round in Dortmund and then the finals were in Munich. So they still have kind of the same format, it seems. that. Uh, but I fortunately do not have to change cities. So once we get to Tempera, uh, I'll be there in one location. Apparently the hotel is two blocks from the rink, Mish, as you and I both love that. And yes. <laughs> you can walk back and forth at your own time. And he said, uh, from what I heard, your whole little world there is about five or six blocks long. Everything you need is right there, and it's walking distance, so that'll be fun. You know, I wanted to ask before we let you go, just your thoughts on the playoffs in general. As I was telling Mish, maybe the Lightning, when you talk about some of the, the favorites, Brian, to win the Cup, maybe losing was the least surprising out of some of these upsets that we've seen. What do you make of, so far, the NHL playoffs? How many times have I said to you guys, for the favored teams, which where's the pressure? The first two rounds not the last two rounds. By the time you get to the conference finals, the engine starts to smooth out and you're feeling pretty good. And as long as you can stay decently healthy, then you're a favored team. You got a good shot to win the cup, but all hell breaks loose in the first round. And boy, this is an all time year, isn't it? Um, Colorado gone. The Rangers are gone. The lightning are gone. Then the Boston Bruins. Do you think and because I talked to my old buddy, Steve Shutt, he called me yesterday and he went, how about that, huh? Bruins gone. He said, I don't blame him. He said that they went for the record and they got it. Good for them. He <laughs> was on that record setting Canadians team uh, that had the record before, I believe, uh, right up there with Detroit uh, as far as, you know, wins and points and all that stuff. So Boston blows that away and look where they are now. They are sitting at home stunned. And it's the, the adversity thing is interesting, right? Get comfortable being uncomfortable is my favorite line about the playoffs. Well, it's not like, you know, all season long they had such momentum and they had injuries and it's not like they didn't have adversity. You know, they had Bergeron was out, Krejci was out, blah, they had different things happen, but they just went right along. And then um, they got some adversity and all of a sudden went, oh, and they tightened up just like any team can. And then I'll go back to the good old, well, we got two goaltenders. Isn't this great? And then look what they did in the final game. They changed their goalie. You think is that because Allmark didn't look very good. He was flopping. He looked like Tim Thomas about 10 years ago. And Thomas won a cup, but he was a different goalie, right? I mean, he, he, he'd end up out of the crease sometimes. Well, so did Allmark. So obviously they go, well, we got to go back to Swayman, right? Yeah, yes. The curse of having two really good goalies. That's why, you know, we've I've said to you guys before, John Cooper doesn't spend one second thinking about who's in goal, right? It is Andre Vasilevsky. And that is a huge bonus for a coach. But it's just spectacular how things have happened this year. And teams, because there is so much talent, New Jersey, a great example. Seattle, equally as good. They are talented. They just go like heck. They're not expected to do anything. So you feel free and you just go. When you're a favored team, that's the pressure you feel. Those other guys don't feel any pressure until at some point it's going to go like, oh, we're really doing something. And then we'll see if they can handle the pressure. That's different. One last one from me, Brian. So when I watched that Boston-Florida series, you were right. Olmark didn't give them the same level of goaltending that he did during the regular season, and apparently he was dealing with an injury, which 
begs the question, if they were going to make the goalie switch, why didn't they do it earlier in the series? But what struck me was, so like when the Lightning won 62, they entered that playoff year knowing that they were not the best defensive team in the league and that their goaltender bailed them out a lot. And then when they lost, they made some significant changes in how they approached games. That has been well documented. The Bruins didn't have that problem. They were an airtight defensive team all year long, yet in that series, they were leaving guys wide open in front for Florida. And in your mind, is that due to pressure? Is that due to expectation that they weren't able to execute at the same level that they did during the regular season? Or is it just one of those things where they had a a bad week, basically? Yeah, I I think it's a little bit of both. I think it starts off with having a bad week and then doing dumb things. Like, we didn't do this all year. And I'm sure the coach was going, Montgomery's going, hey, we don't do this. Like, what's wrong? Like, let's get... Let's get going with the coverage here. And then next thing you know, the underrated part becomes you've created a monster on the other team in Florida now that has a belief. And they 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 go, hey, we can beat these guys. They're not that good. I don't care about the regular season. We are rolling here. And so then the rest becomes about you have to have fight in you defensively. The great thing about the playoffs is – Offensive hockey, you need to be able to be calm and relaxed, you know, and, and arm. It's like golf, right? The best golfer is under pressure. You got to be able, you can't tighten up because you're going to screw up that shot. It, that's not, not unlike goal scores. They have to be able to relax for that second. Look at Steven Stamkos and Point, Kucherov, you, you name it. They just, they just kind of do that ah, for a second, boom, and, and it's in. Offense is like that. But those same guys coming back into their own zone and the defenseman in front of the net and those battles, that's about will, not skill. It's about knowing your leverage. It's about being on the right side of the guy. And then it's the size of the fight in the dog. Who wants it? Well, when players want to score a goal in the playoffs and be a hero for a couple of seconds, they will fight like hell to put a rebound in. Are you willing to fight equally as hard or more? in order to defend against that when nobody's really going to notice except a couple of guys on your team and the coaches. It's a very different mentality. And if you lose that mentality and you don't dig in and play nasty, hard defense, you'll lose. And I think that started to happen to Boston. And then things start to unravel a bit. And all of a sudden, then you start to, well, how did we feel? How did we feel? Why, why, you know, we used to do this. Then now you're really in trouble because you're not paying attention to what's happening to you right in front of your nose. You gotta, you gotta punch that Kachuk in the head about nine times. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to say that, but <laughs> that's how he plays. That's right. And that's how he plays. And yeah, I, I know you take a penalty here or there or whatever. Sometimes it's worth it, but he is, he is the driving force of that team. There's no doubt. That's why they made that deal. That's why he's there. And has he earned his money this year? Are they a different team? You're damn right they are. And finally, squeaking in, Paul Maurice and the you know the, the uh, executive are like, ah, oh, this is what we were hoping for, even though it didn't look very good for most of the year. And people are just giving it to us. Like, oh, boy, what did you do? You know, best regular season team in the league, blah, 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 last year. Well, look at them now. They didn't get beat in straight games, did they? They knocked off the Boston Bruins. So apparently they got something right. 
Brian, we appreciate you and all you've done helping us talk about the Lightning in the NHL this year. Best of luck with your calls in the next uh, few weeks. should be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, bud. Thanks very much, guys. Always appreciate it. It's uh, your best best job in the world. Love talking about it, and I'm going to do it as long as I can. <laughs> I thought <laughs> you were safe travels, too. Yeah, all right. Thanks, to guys. Appreciate fun. it. Thanks, Brian. All right. Brian Engblom joining us there. I thought he was going to say the best job in the world was just talking to us. Well, that's part of it. Can you blame you know, I've heard I have heard that Finland is the happiest country on earth. So Brian will be Finland. infused with happiness. The I think happiest. he's also happy that he's going in, in May and not in January, probably. I was going to say, when, did, when was that poll taken and was food part of the equation <laughs> yeah. as well? Because I, you know, you don't hear too much about Finnish food, do you? Maybe. You I think do. it's a lot of fish. Is it a lot of fish? That's my guess. Right. I'm not entirely certain about it that. It gets cold. I know that. Probably beautiful time of the year when it snows and everything kind of blends in. Probably around mm-hmm. Christmas time is the best. But, you know, I, I don't have any um, travel dates, Dave, going to Finland. Have you been there? I have not been to Finland. I was in Sweden when the team went to Stockholm. What was that like? And Were our... you able to do a little sightseeing? Yeah, I, I was. So we were there in November. So it had that kind of brisk like it, it the weather the weather was better i think than it could have been it was like brisk and overcast on a lot of the days but it was not unpleasant and so i tried to take in as many sites as i could in stockholm because we had a lot of downtime honestly we were there basically a week so i enjoyed it yeah the other times i've been to europe were family vacations in the summer gotcha. where the weather clearly was very nice it was a lot better yeah yeah for sure uh anything stick out with uh, Brian, we well, went, uh, we do have we do have a report that I saw, and Steve texted it to us to make sure we saw it. That the Capitals, this is not official, but Pierre LeBrun is is reporting, hearing that, which probably means that it's happening. The Capitals plan to interview Lightning assistant Jeff Halpern at some point here in their head coach he there. search yeah. process. Yeah, he he's there. from that area. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, look, when you win, other teams want your guy. Look at Detroit. Right yep. with Derek Lalonde. And yep, absolutely. It's going to happen. Coop's he has he has run the Lightning's power play, which has been extremely prolific and successful. It has, which predates him taking it over, but under his guidance, it is also produced. And I mean, the Lightning improved greatly in the circle this year. They finished over fifty percent as a team. Yeah, and I think all four of their guys that take the face-offs regularly. It's really more than four, because Stamkos and Point both take a lot. Sure. But Stamkos, Point, Sorelli, Paul, Belmar. So I gave you five there. They were all over 50% during the regular season. Correct. So that that also falls under Halpern's kind of umbrella Tutelage. in terms of one of the things that, that he does. AC Mott talked about the tough angle shot that he scored that goal on in game five. He's like, yeah. Halpern and I, Halpern worked with me on taking the bad angle shots he was so. a good player too you know he mm-hmm. was a, a guy who could score a little bit take some face-offs hard to play against he was part of those caps teams right before they kind of really took off a little bit and he played with them they had a game. lot of disappointing losses yeah in they did. the first round yeah they did some of those were to pittsburgh i remember yeah <laughs> Alpern. Good the play. year they got to the Stanley Cup final and lost to Detroit. Remember when Detroit went back-to-back cups in the late 90s? That was shortly before Halpern arrived. He arrived maybe a year or two later. 
Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. He got sure. the assist on Ovechkin's first NHL goal. Did he? Yep. That's a nice little tidbit. Yep. Of information. I think they sure. only overlap by a year. He was the captain of that team in 05, 06, and then by the next year, he was in Dallas. And the following year, he was traded to the Lightning at the deadline. That sounds Brad about Richards right. Brad Richards deal. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio, if you want to react to anything that we've had to say so far in the show. Basil says, Greg and Dave, just a word of thanks for your podcast. Being a devoted faraway fan, it's great to feel connected by having someone to share thoughts with. I try hard to maintain perspective over the course of a season. And you always provide that. Yes, we do try and provide perspective. Well, we thank you for and listening, we, Basil. We try and, and tell it like we see it, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think if you, you know what's interesting? I think if you listen to the show throughout the year, we tried to give you kind of a maybe a macro view in addition to the day-to-day stuff with the team. And, you know... I, I don't know, partner. We'd have to go back and kind of look at some of the things that we discussed. Did they come to fruition? Did they not? But I think we had a a pretty good pulse of this Lightning team, and I'm not sure we were completely surprised by anything that it, that transpired, particularly in the playoffs. Uh, you know, the the Lightning, as we've said, you know, they they played pretty well, and one of the question marks I had was the depth and maybe being too top heavy, but they did get some depth scoring. Yeah, you also said that if the Lightning are going to do damage in the playoffs, they're going to need a lot from their top guys. And in terms of actual, like at the end of the day, the production wasn't as much as they probably needed it. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably fair. And uh, the other element to that is that uh, Toronto... Was a uh, a pretty a pretty good team. Linda said, "Enjoy the show as always." In my opinion, you must keep Hedman, Hagel, and Vassy. Hope you keep the show going through the entire series. Go Panthers! <laughs> well, we are not keeping the show going through the entire series. We have two more shows tomorrow and Friday, and then we are going to take our our off season break. But we will be back in the fall. So Who knows sure what Steve has up his sleeve? Well, yeah, maybe I should you know. say that. Yeah. We don't make Let's the talk to Steve first. <laughs> My expectation is that we will be back. Lightning Radio 24 7 isn't sure. going anywhere, which I would like to believe means that we are not going anywhere as far as our show is concerned. The one other thing I'll mention about what, what Basil tweeted about perspective when you have said, and you have said it frequently over the last couple of years, Greg, kind of like, the Lightning can flip the switch in the playoffs. Not every team can. A team that has not had the level of playoff experience that the Lightning have had would have a harder time flipping the switch. So when the team looks lackluster down the stretch in the regular season, if they had had very little playoff experience, I think that would be a bigger cause for concern than what it has been or how we have made it out to be. I think I don't want to speak for you, but I think like a lot of where you have come from is based on, we're talking about the lightning here. We're not talking about, let's say the devils who have not had the level of playoff experience. They look really good, 
But if the Lightning, or I'm sorry, if the Devils game had kind of come apart at the seams down the stretch in the regular season, I think there would be a greater concern that can they pull it together for the playoffs? The Lightning ran a different boat I based think that's on fair. their, their yeah. core experience of what it takes to win in the playoffs. I think that's fair. You know, and I think the Lightning have earned that, though. And that's, exactly. that's one of the things that you have to keep in mind when you're looking at the big picture with this team and, you know, potentially where they're headed. And they are going to have to have some changes in the offseason. Some changes affect the team more than others. You know, we had a tweet about Yanni Gord and, you know, Andre Palat and, mm-hmm. you know, rooting for those guys. I mean, just take a step back and look at those two players. And then you factor in Goodrow and Coleman have departed. Those are pretty significant pieces. Then you say McDonough this year, Rutsa. You had to deal with drastic changes, Dave, over the last three years. The Lightning have done well to maintain a certain standard that has allowed them to be competitive in the playoffs. And I think that's something that we all have to you know, be be cognizant of. Um, and it's it's something to, to keep in mind. Steve just texted us, too, about uh, Pointer being... Uh, a finalist for the Lady Bing. It's something to uh, keep an eye on. I always found the Lady Bing. I mean, that's basically right. No penalty minutes or just well, it's it's kind of gentlemanly play. I, I, along why do with you have that high award? production? So like so a guy who's a very production. good player that that tends to play a clean game. So I had noted that Braden Point had seven penalty minutes down the stretch in the regular season, and I had actually mentioned true story here. I had mentioned to a couple of people the fact that he had one minor penalty and a fight. For his seven penalty minutes. And I was asking, honestly, it was like... With AC Mont, right? Does the fight... Yeah, it was with AC Mont. When AC Mont was a member of the Sharks, I said, does that one fighting major disqualify you for the Lady Bing? Because gentlemanly play, like you wouldn't think, even if you only had two penalties, if one of them was a fight, maybe that doesn't personify gentlemanly play. On the other hand, there are plenty of gentlemen back in the day that would draw their pistols and duels, right? <laughs> so maybe like having an honorable, quote unquote, honorable fight with a willing combatant on the other side is consistent with being gentlemanly. Clearly the people that were nominating or voting on this didn't have an issue with his one fighting major. The other two guys, though, they were up for it. Jack Hughes and, and Kopitar had fewer penalty minutes while yeah, so Hughes had three penalties, but they were all minors. So he had six, Point had seven, Kopitar had only two. So he only took two penalties the whole year and had four penalty minutes. My expectation is that one of the other guys will win it, even though Point was the only one of the three to score 50 goals. No doubt. Very, uh, very interesting. You know, it's like, what is the cutoff for for penalty minutes, by the way, to be right. And like, and how much does a fighting major work against you? It's just too much. Well, it's guys who don't have a lot of penalty minutes. who have also been very productive. What's that cutoff? I mean, you could be, you could get 50 penalty minutes and still be considered a clean player, but they may look at that and say, "Eh, it's too many. That's Patrick 42 Hornquist minutes. had two penalty minutes. One <laughs> yeah, year. right. I mean, you know, does he, <laughs> he go over the line gonna a little win bit? The lady bang. Right. I mean, it just, again, it's, it's, you know. It's it's somebody's opinion in many hey, ways. Hey, be- before we break, I want to touch on Game One, Florida Toronto. I, I didn't stay up and watch the Dallas game, but what a what a night that was! Yanni Gord scores in overtime, and Joe Pavelski had four goals, and Seattle won five. Nice return, right? <laughs> nice return. So uh, let me just quickly say this about Seattle: like, how is Seattle doing it? We talked about their depth scoring. So as an expansion team, 
they were not able to get game breakers off of other teams. They're going to have to draft their game breakers. And Matty Beneers may be a great, a game breaker. Like, he's a very, very talented player. He's still young. Let's see how he evolves in his NHL career. But what they did get were a lot of really good NHL players, and they were able to find some guys who do have extensive playoff experience, like Yanni Gord, like Oliver Bjorkstrand. I mean, how many guys on their team have won cups? Not an insignificant amount. Burkowski has won two cups with Washington and Colorado. He's on their team. Jordan Everly has had a lot of playoff experience. He hasn't won a cup, but I think that has helped them. Like when you go into a hostile building and, you know, you're in overtime, how are you going to navigate that? Well, they have guys who have, who have walked the walk before, so I think that helps them. I don't know if they're going to win the series. Getting Pavelski back is going to be a big boost for Dallas. It already has been, and, you know, I do think Ottinger is, is a top goalie. So we'll see how he fares in this series. Toronto and Florida. So Toronto, I think, finished with 36 shots. You know how many of their shots came in the power play? Nine. How many? Nine shots in the power play. And they had nine shots with the goalie pulled, two of which were power play shots because they called a double minor on Sam Bennett for high sticking in the final half minute. So... There were a couple of shots there with the goalie pulled that counted as power play shots. So they had seven shots that were, quote-unquote, even strength with the goalie pulled. So their even strength shot count was fairly low. And what I saw in watching that game last night was a continuation for Toronto of what we saw in the Lightning series in a couple of areas. First of all, they got outplayed five on five. By Florida. I mean, they had their moments where they did okay. Talking about Toronto in the second period, I thought they had a, a pretty good push. But end of the day, Florida outplayed Toronto five on five. So if we're counting, going back to game three of the Lightning series, that is five straight games in which, in my opinion, the Maple Leafs have been outplayed five on five. The second thing that we saw was while Samsonov made some really nice saves, his rebound control, again, was a problem. The first goal that Florida scored was on a rebound. Nick Cousins on a backhand. And the third thing that I noted was Florida got the bounces last night. You see the one goal that Bennett scored was a double double deflection, one off right. Nyes, one off Bennett. And then the fourth goal, the one that gave them an insurance tally scored by Montour, hit off Ryan O'Reilly's stick and deflected into the net. So all of the puck luck that Toronto had in the first round series, like that swung in the other direction, at least in game one. So we'll see what continues to happen in the series. I think Florida deserved to win the game last night, even though they got outshot and Bobrovsky was great because the Maple Leafs were very dangerous when they had an extra player on the ice and Bobrovsky was up to the challenge. But Again, what I'm seeing from Toronto is not winning hockey. Maybe they can hook or crook their way to another series win, but what I said to you, Greg, was moving forward in the playoffs, they are going to have to defend better. And what happened? They battle back to tie the game at two, and they give up a breakaway to Carter Verhage from the blue line in. It's fair. Game-winning goal. Yep. It's fair, for sure. Anyway, 
yeah, no, we'll talk more about it tomorrow as well as we uh, continue to wrap things up this week on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Thanks to Brian Engblom, who joined us earlier. Lucas Favalli will be with us tomorrow. you also hear from some Lightning players and coaches. That'll be a lot of fun. Partner, great job as always. We appreciate you. Thank you. Talk to you tomorrow. You got it. Thanks to Steve Versnick as well. I'm Greg Lanella. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.